Hi there, this is Erin Nicole, and you're listening to the Move Happy Movement podcast. Today is a very special episode. We just finished the second ever real entertainment therapy experience. This is something that we developed, launched the first one February of this year, and today we just completed it with top-level leaders from the United States Post Office, international business growth leader, uh, founder of Humble Alpha, Top level leader that just retired from Disney hotels. Uh, he's still uh, doing work, but uh, top level leader of that, responsible for 40,000 employees at one point. Um, they call them cast members. And also, combination of musicians that are my community members that I have known for a long, long time, uh, one of which I've known since my high school days that uh, got to, uh, we both were part of an extremely, extremely high level of standards program called the Music Company under the direction of Mr. Krause, and he continued to up-level his game each year because he wanted to be continually growing as a professional instructor and Matt Flores actually graduated a couple years after me and went on to join the U.S. Air Force as part of the Tops in Blue group, got to tour around, I think, 26 countries in 13 months, and one of his performances, a part of that tour, was to perform for the Super Bowl. Can't get much bigger than that for entertainment, and he actually shared his original song with us through the experience as well as uh, friends of mine from back home, Raymond Hayden and his wife, Jessica Lynn Witte. They wrote this song together and he performed it with Serga Cherokee, uh, their family friend from, she describes herself as a chosen family uh, that she got to choose. She's from Denmark originally, married her husband, lives in the United States, and they've got a band called Grieve the Astronaut perfectly timed with everything. It was such a phenomenal experience. Um, and then I close out the uh, the show with some original music and our keynote speaker closes out final action step remarks of how to build strong communities in your family, in your neighborhood, in your businesses, in your churches, and whatever your faith system is. If you choose to uh, believe in God, Allah, Jesus, um, nature, Buddha, whatever your faith system is. We love you. We respect you. And I hope that you enjoy this special podcast airing. Uh, It is long, so keep that in mind. And if there is any value added to your day, jot some notes down, uh, share it with a friend or family member. And if you feel so inclined, we would love it if you would share it on social media to get the word out. All right, here it is. Uh, This is our second ever global real entertainment therapy experience uh, created out of nothing. We all start from somewhere, and I'm grateful for those of you joining in. We've got Zorka popping in here. And I'm going to go ahead and play 
recording. Uh, this is a business mentor of mine. Um, I had met her in direct sales in 2015 uh, when I joined. those kind of my first business outside of my nine-year-old mouse business uh, when I was nine. Uh, she was not directly connected to my line financially at all, uh, but she was a leader that believed in positive culture of helping people no matter what. Uh, she was recently retired from the United States Post Office as a, a postmaster in Puyallup, Washington. And she also helped my father too um, in his first year because I got him uh, into the direct sales business as well. And I could see a shift in his mood immediately because he was focused on something that was going to take him uh, to a higher financial level, but also uh, bringing him connected to other uh, social connections, which are our strongest predictor of our happiness. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and share my screen here. And let's see here. You should be able to see it. Thank you for your patience. We got Lee popping in the room as well. And. Welcome, friends, you guys family, here? veterans, first responders, and all medical practitioners, both Western and Eastern represented. Welcome to the second ever global real entertainment therapy experience. My name is Erin Nicole and I'm your host for today's event. And I am honored to be able to introduce you to a mentor of mine, to a spiritual leader as well as a business leader, Brenda Murphy. Here's a little bit about her story. She actually passed away a few weeks ago, but I had the honor of interviewing her this past fall. It was something that I was called to do, though it was extremely uncomfortable for me because she was struggling and had been struggling for years with stage four cancer and had overcame it time and time again. But due to a mistake done from someone else, she didn't make it. And she's going to talk about bringing hope, <clears throat> building community within the workplace, and the power of friendships when you lose everything you've ever owned for over 40 years. Have a listen. And this is someone that I have known for quite a long time. Um, she has really poured time and energy and love into my family personally um, when we met through direct sales. And um, I want you guys to hear from her. So thank you so much, Brenda Murphy, for taking the time today. Hi. <laughs> Aaron. Absolutely. Yeah, appreciate uh, you taking the time out uh, to get some words out. <laughs> Absolutely. For those that, you know, don't know um, your background and whatnot, um, you're currently going through a challenging season. We'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper into that, but let's, let's talk beginnings. What was Brenda Murphy like as a little girl? <laughs> <laughs> um, always, uh, 
never never had the time to sit still. Yeah. If you're sitting still, you're wasting time. That's <laughs> kind of one that left. And so with that, it's uh, it's been um, it's uh, it, it was a wonderful childhood in a lot of respects. And mm-hmm. Some of the ways you can look at it, it wasn't so great, but mm-hmm. I never paid attention to the negative part of it. I was always striving to have fun yeah. and uh, have fun with my friends and and probably, you know, maybe, maybe too much fun. <laughs> school, school came second. It was just a means for all of us to meet up. Yes. You know? Absolutely. So, uh, I could have got a few better grades if I would have maybe opened the book occasionally. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of a visual learner, so I like to learn from from experiences. You know? Yeah, I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah. So... With that, I went through, you know, grade school, uh, junior high, and uh, probably, you know, pretty decent. I was always taller than all the other girls, and so respect for that because I was always quite a bit taller Mm -hmm. than in high school. Played sports and did very well, and and, uh, showed my animals and horses and cows and sheep and Aww. I did very little on that and went off into Washington State University mm-hmm. uh, and uh, rodeoed and and uh, oh. showed animals and, and really had a great time with animals. So my whole life has been involved with animals. I love that. I didn't know that about you. Lots of dogs. So cool. That is so neat. Yeah, I remember visiting you and your horses and whatnot. Um, but I didn't. I didn't know that you went to school for that. That's so neat. Oh, that's awesome. And so uh, went off, uh, really stayed uh, in the animal aspect of it for my whole life until this last summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, always had animals as much as, I think I had over, well, I had over 100 head of cattle at one point. Wow. <laughs> Man, three different ranches and, and then worked full time. And I quite, I don't know how I did all that, but. Yeah, that's and, amazing. Uh, and if I, Postal Service career of 29 years in uh, 19, or excuse me, 2013. Mm-hmm. January, January 31st, 2014. And uh, was a great career at the Postal Service. Yeah. Uh, lots of opportunities if you always stayed on the positive side. Mm-hmm. Uh, you always had opportunities. And uh, if you didn't, then you didn't have opportunities. So yeah. I don't know where you needed to be in order to have opportunities, not using any uh, race, creed, color, or, you know, sexual orientation. doesn't matter. Yeah. You stay on the public side of it. People always love you. Yeah. You know, life can bring you down. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter who you are. That's right. You know, stay positive and uh, stay away from the negativity or turn the negativity around. I love that. And, I love uh, that. And uh, people will see that you stay strong. Absolutely. Convictions. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes I'll follow you that way too. Yeah. And we met like the next year after you retired. And I remembered hearing your story of retiring. You were the postmaster, weren't you? Like you were the yeah. head honcho. Well, I'm a nice In the. Uh, in the Puyallup area, was it? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, big, big, at over 
25 employees and, and uh, uh, a lot of responsibility. Yeah. There was two offices and it was pretty much crazy. Mm-hmm. I should have made a million dollars a year for them. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the government. <laughs> yeah. For all those USPS workers out there. Yeah. <laughs> so then retired. Uh, January 31st, 2014, mm-hmm. was in a network marketing company. Yeah. I did that. And I uh, just saw the vision. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then uh, October 2014, October 7th, I was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer. I thought, well, I haven't been sick my whole life. Why would this happen? Yeah. You know, so why is that? carpet that gets pulled out from underneath you. Yeah. You know, and they're pretty steadfast in getting you through their processes and so, which I always fight conventional things anyway, because mm-hmm. that's, you know, I never do the norm, always question the norm. Yes. And question the norm because there's some reason why everybody's following the norm. <laughs> <laughs> so question it, and if it's the right thing to do, you do it. You don't yeah. just automatically do it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, don't be a sheep. You know, use God-given brains to figure mm-hmm. out that's for you or for your family. Yeah. It, 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 might, it may not be. Yeah. That was what really stood out to me about you. Like, you were always holistic about things, but not only that, like, you taught and broke it down in your Facebook group, and it was really informational. You know, it was helpful, too. Yeah, good. I'm glad to hear that. Absolutely. Do you feel that that has helped you hold on for as long as you have and keep fighting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. And, uh, you know, and stay in that line and, and just, uh, you know, do what I felt what was right for me. Yeah. You know, I've done that and uh, been very well all the way up till, oh my gosh, done very, very well. No complications, no side effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, full-blown treatment, 30, 40 hours a week and still playing, you know, upper-level tennis. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> I love those words. And, uh, and so all the way up to last March when a medical error, conventional medical error, mm. uh, you know, brought me down. Mm. And so that, to navigate through that, the journey of, of actual, um, not really resigning myself to heaven, but just saying heaven's okay. Yeah. You know, heaven will be fine. Yeah. And um, and seeing that, uh, you know, we're here in this planet for a very, very short amount of time. Yeah. We think it's a long time, but it's just very short. Yeah. And, uh, you know, which footprints you left, what, what are the trails you've left, you know, because those are what people are going to follow. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, as that comes closer to that time, you know, you start really just paying attention to a lot of things about people and trying to mm-hmm. trying to really help them with their journeys. Yeah. You, you know, you feel like yours is, you haven't given up, but yours is coming to an end mm-hmm. here on this planet. And so, um, which, you know, uh, everybody has their visions and their opinions of heaven, but I see it as a time that I won't have any pain. So absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, you would be pain free. Yeah, and I've endured quite a bit of pain for the last seven months, mm-hmm. and uh, what some people would say unbearable, and 
to me, it's unbearable. Um, and so, uh, you know, just have gone to the depths of trying to figure out how to fight this yeah, and then, and then how to fight this pain. And I'm always up for uh, last minute miracles, uh, but I'm also up to, um, you know, just fall asleep, you know, and, and let God take over. Yeah. And uh, God, God's really in control anyway. Absolutely. And he's just going to do what he's going to do. Uh, he keeps telling me every day that I wake up, my mission isn't accomplished yet. Yes. And I lay there and go, well, if you wake me up, I better get up then. That's right. <laughs> I believe that is true as well. I absolutely believe that that is true. God wakes you up. Get up. Yes. He's got a plan for you. was the next barrier you pushed? Uh, the next barrier was when I was showing animals mm. and cattle and sheep and mm-hmm. rodeoing. And the next barrier was, you know, there weren't very many women. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm thinking there was a few, and I had a few leaders that I followed, but, uh, you know, there was very few successful ones. Mm-hmm. So I was supposed to, you know, be topping that. So that I would stand out, women yeah. would stand out. Yeah. And uh, the next one was uh, team roping mm-hmm. uh, with horses, and uh, there were very, very few women would rope the head of a steer. Mm. Oh yeah. The male that would rope the head, and the woman would come behind and just pick up the heels, and it would be mm-hmm. all light and fluffy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I reversed that in college in 1970. When was that? Nope, 1980. I reversed that. So 41 years ago, I reversed that. Yeah. State University. And uh, I was roping the head of the steers with this huge horse, monstrous horse that all these guys were drooling over. (laughs) They're drooling over this beautiful horse. And uh, and I would just go ripping out there and rope that thing flat, turn that steer around, and my header was a male. And Kurt would come right behind that, pick up the hills. Sometimes my friend Lonnie, uh, with two and it'd be two women mm-hmm. and we always got the look because that just didn't happen very often <laughs> i love it i love it yeah well, those are real those are barriers that uh hang on i got here i'm here in, down in arizona just kicked on <laughs> no problem no problem we can still hear, hear you great great i'll stay out here but anyway, those are some barriers that so I personally broke through because people said they can't. Yeah, I love that. That's so cool. I think just uh, I continued that really that in the postal service. Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, very few women that were excellent bosses. Yeah, I had a couple mentors mm-hmm. uh, that uh, that I remember specifically, and I used to just follow them and see how they did this. Yeah, stand out. <laughs> you learn to get along with everybody at the. Yeah, some people say you become one of the boys. No, you just learned how to get along with people. Yeah. You need to be little. You didn't need to chastise. You didn't need to do anything. You just don't have you need to learn how to get along with everybody. Yeah. That was my thing. You know, even as a high-level postmaster, mm-hmm. working my way up, I always strove to see both sides of it. Yeah. Listen to both sides of stories. Listen to both sides of management and the employee. You know, well, what's going on? What's mm-hmm. behind the employee? Why did they act out that way? Yeah. And and don't be so quick to judge. And so I always just uh, made sure every post office I went to it was better 
actually, they used me as a cleanup crew. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm not surprised. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we heard very high accolades. Uh, one very large office in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And the entire western region, which is from the Rockies to the west, mm-hmm. being a local approved office in the entire western region of every post office. Heck yes. <laughs> yeah, so there's things like that that you just know you've done great. Then yeah. When your employees go and you know, do their absolute best to make you look good and to make them look good, yeah. you know you, you succeed. Yeah. What are some that you hit on some, some huge gold nuggets. I know those that are listening in the business sector or maybe even from post offices all around the world are uh, leaning into what you just said. What are some uh, maybe strategies that either you created or that you learned along your journey in connecting with people in hearing both sides? Like what, what are some things that worked really well for you that you can share? You know, I'm going to go back to the basics because it really is the basics, mm-hmm. which is listening to both sides. Yeah. And uh, and being fair. Yeah. And, uh, and I always, even if I made somebody in higher level management upset, <laughs> I would always ask myself if I was being fair to the employee. Yeah. Times money, I mean, many times money is it. Mm-hmm. So we talk about this money. Yeah. But, you know, if you don't have, if you don't treat employees right, they're not going to be around. It's exactly what's happening right now. Yeah. Many, many sectors and employees aren't being treated right. Yeah. And they're leaving. Yeah. Or the signs out front that say, forget it. Yeah. And so if I was in management, I would say, how am I treating these employees? Yeah. And why are they leaving? Yeah. That's huge. So I have always attracted employees Mm -hmm. to my offices and they would follow me office to office if they, if they were in that area, they could. And, uh, and so, and it's, I learned later, it's just the way that I listened and understood and connected with them went yeah. past the surface level and connected with that way yeah you just that's what i always wanted and so i decided instead of waiting for somebody to treat me like that i would just go out to it i love that <laughs> why not be the first that's yeah. so powerful and i remember specifically I'm trying to remember which year it was because I started with the direct sales in 2015. I want to say it was the following year in 2016 or thereabouts. I remember, do you remember when I came over to your house and you helped me like break down? We were like, I was laser focused. I think I was working at the hospital where this whole move happy thing came along and it was like after work and you gave of your time to me. You didn't benefit at all financially. You were just like, I'm willing to help you. Let's break it down. And those like key things were so helpful to help me get more organized because being a, a woman that did not come from a business background at all, I just needed someone to just simplify the system for me. You're amazing. <laughs> listening to you. Yes. And that's, that would be an example of taking time out to listen to who you are, yep. what you want, uh, where you're at. Yeah. And then seeing what's available for you to achieve what you want. Yeah, 100%. And so with that, I understood a lot of things that were kind of afraid, you know, and that you needed to um, tighten up those loose strings. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and get them into columns, you know, and yeah. so you could be more focused. Yep. And uh, saw you just grow incredibly, you know, years after that yeah and so i think you know 
of course. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You definitely helped build that foundation for sure. 100%. Yeah. We're here really, we're not just here to play golf. That's right. Like, you know, I watch everybody here playing golf, tennis and everything. You know, we're here for relationships. We're here to help each other grow. Yep. We're here to bring, uh, you know, if you so choose, it's your decision to bring more people to the Lord and and, uh, and because he's my strength. Yep. Amen. And, uh, you know, I've road and being drugged in the mud and being drugged you know, almost I'm knocking on heaven's door now four times. So I've been at all levels. Yeah. You know, in those seven years. And actually most of my everything about it. Yeah. You're such <laughs> a fighter. People have that's what people have said these last few years. People I know you're always so positive and you're always just smiling and just keeping people going. I says, Well that's I'm an external stimulus. Mm-hmm. I love people yes i don't and i and i run from negativity or i try and turn negativity around yes and many times i've been able to turn negativity around by just saying you know why what get to the root let's go a level deeper yeah why why are you like this you know why let's go a little deeper find out where's the hurt because most of us wrapped around hurt Mm, yes yes yeah, and if you take time away from wherever it is and have peaceful moments with people, whether it's 15 minutes or mm-hmm. however long it is, yeah. then you um, you may be able to help them overcome some of this and have the second half of their life be just, you know, very fruitful, yeah. positive, and they may be able to share that with other people, you know? Yeah, Absolutely. Let's talk, let's talk more about your, your choice in focus of positivity and flipping the script. What are, what are some key things you can help our listeners with as far as either keeping a positive mindset or if you're in, you know, like a hard situation like you are right now, like keeping your mind on positive things. What are, what are some key things that you do maybe on a daily basis? Right now, it's definitely a struggle in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So you see that closing in, and that's uh, that's its own struggle itself. Yeah. But uh, I I now really focus on uh, little the little things that make me happy. Mm-hmm. Like I just put up Christmas lights yesterday. You know? Awesome. Some people say, "Why did you put up Christmas lights? You only have a week or so left." And I'm like, well, first of all, God's going to decide how much time I have left. That's right. I can't believe anyone would say that to you. Christmas lights make me happy. (laughs) Yeah. Christmas lights make me happy. So um, I choose to see Christmas lights make me happy. Yeah. Uh, All the lights around our resort make me happy. And so that's what I do is God and I have a pack. If he wakes me up in the morning, I'll get up and enjoy the best parts of of you know of of life love that and so even if i'm um you know getting up i have huge swollen arm i've got all sorts of you wouldn't even recognize me here Mm. and uh but i get up and 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 go yeah and 
even if it's in my slippers and I walk around the patio to watch the golfers, then mm-hmm. I, that's what I do. And so you just pick out those things that make you happy. Yeah. Um, and write them. Sometimes you need to write them down. And, uh, and so that you'll recall that. Yeah. And you go, what are the top 10 things that make me happy? I'm just going to write them down. And so decide what those are. Mm-hmm. And if you're in a struggle time, start fixating on those things that make you happy, whether they're your grandkids or buying a, you know, a latte every day or whatever. Yes. <laughs> you know. Love that. And, uh, you know, try and get use a few things in there that have some depth to them, mm-hmm. like grandkids or something. Yeah. Kids. But, um, um, you know, and also talking with people. I just had someone come over here. Several people today, but uh, someone came over here today that just uh, you know shared some visions, and uh, uh, and it was really nice talking to her because you know it, she reminded me of all the positive things that I've shared in this resort with the tennis teams and, and, uh, and everything. And, and I said, you know what? That's that's a good thing for me to write down. Yeah. And uh, so we had a few more things. And, uh, and, you know, I, I think uh, if you are a person that can tend to look at negative or, mm-hmm. or something, you need to put a little more effort on writing the positive side of life down. Yeah. Because there's so much to offer. You know, it just really is. And if you're single, you don't have any grandkids, you don't have any kids, you know, your family's abandoned you. Uh, you know, the whole works, you know, that's where I'm at. You know, my entire family has abandoned me mm. uh, because of this medical care and all the problems that it created. And, uh, and you know, they just can't handle it. Yeah, and, so uh, sorry to hear that. Seeing somebody who's always been so, so strong. Yeah. Uh, fall. Yeah. And so, you know, and I don't have any grandkids and I'm not married. So I don't have all those things that you can use yeah. on your positive side. Yeah. Do you have kids? Do you have a spouse? Do you have grandkids? Do you have you know, the rest of your family? Yeah. Mom and dad. Who do you have? Do you have great friends? Well, I have hundreds and hundreds of fabulous friends. Mm. And uh, because I did not have the distractions of raising families, I have hundreds of fabulous friends. Yeah. I, maybe a thousand, I don't even know, just hundreds. And uh, and I've enriched my life with those with these people. Yeah. And uh, I've been able to go deeper and help people. Yes. I didn't have a little kids pulling on my you know, shirt pockets, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, we all choose. And uh, mm-hmm. that's what I chose. Yeah. Our social health who we choose to associate with is the strongest predictor of our happiness compared to all other factors, whether it's friends, family, coworkers, employees, subordinates, or even strangers. The stronger our social connections to people that add happiness to our life, add value, add contribution, and us equally exchanging that contribution, that's going to boost your mood stronger than any medication, stronger than any exercise or music or anything. We are not islands unto ourselves.
Okay. Hopefully I paused it here. Make sure, there we go. All right, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, we're gonna do our first original artists. Uh, we've got Grieve the Astronaut. Uh, these are friends of mine from back home. Uh, I'm gonna read quickly their bios. Uh, Raymond Hayden, and uh, this is from his LinkedIn bio. Although I spent four years in the US Army, the bulk of my work history to date is in the packaging in industry. My time in the Army taught me what it meant to be truly challenged. And ever since then, there are a few things I crave more than a good challenge. Perhaps ironically though, it is my innate need to be a peace peacemaker that influences me most. My love for people and helping them solve their problems drives me to be the best at what I do. I thrive in conflict and enjoy the role of mediator. My ability to see the big picture in times of tension helps me in this because I am able to remain objective and rational. When de decisions need to be made, I always aim for the one that will help the most people win long-term. My current role as a damage provision sales executive at Sunrise Manufacturing allows for a freedom and creativity that is rarely found in the workplace. The company, which is incredibly forward-thinking, paired with its knowledgeable and peaceful coworkers, makes for a fun environment where I get to be a part of cutting-edge packaging innovation. As a member of the Sunrise team, I hope to contribute to the company's success through relationship building. Uh, he and his wife wrote this song together that I'm going to play in a little bit. Um, Surga, uh, Cherokee, their friend, uh, she's actually originally from Denmark. She's a professional singer and intuitive voice empowerment coach. She helps singers unlock their full potential and empower their true voice. And um, she does live in the United States with her husband. And she calls Jessica and Raymond her chosen family. This is their song that they uh, recorded together. Play it for you guys. Did you think that life was simple? Did you think you had a plan? In the path that lay before you, you got an to helping hand. Did you think you'd be happy? Did you think that you'd be sad? When the truth reveals the answers, you start to understand.
I forgot to mention also, uh, Serga actually was on the X Factor TV show in Denmark. Uh, so she, you guys, she's an international musician on the show here. Thank you for sharing your gift with us. Um, so next up, we have a recently retired Lieutenant Colonel Oakland McCullough. He has over 40 years of leadership experience, including uh, that he's a graduate of West Point, 23 years in the U.S. Army as well as running nonprofit food banks and growing organizations wherever he chooses to allocate his time. He and his wife, Kelly, have been married since 1987, serving their communities wherever life leads them. I'm gonna stop sharing my screen for a second here and give you the full screen here. Take it away, Oakland. Well, thank you, Aaron. So yeah, like uh, Aaron said, I'm uh, retired Lieutenant Colonel McCullough. I served uh, in the Army for 23 years as a combat arms officer. Continue to serve as a Department of the Army civilian doing recruiting for Army ROTC. So I continue to build leaders um, through my day job of recruiting, through my book, and through my speaking engagements. But I'm not here today to talk about leadership. That's normally what I talk about, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about uh, another subject that's near and dear to my heart, and that's helping to take care of service members, veterans, first responders, whether that's law enforcement or firefighters or EMT, EMS, uh, or nurses or doctors. My wife is a, was a nurse, is a nurse, was an Army nurse for eight years, so I know about that, that as well, um, who have PTSD or depression or other issues that they need to deal with. I'm so thankful that, Aaron, that you invited me to come and be a part of this, a guest speaker on this, because this really is an important uh, subject and I'm honored to be a part of uh, being able to talk about this so that we can help the people who need help. Um, so how bad is the problem? It's estimated that about 30% of the first responders in this country now suffer from PTSD. That's up from, that's up 10% 
from the last seven years ago, where it was 20% in 2015. And I would argue that it's probably even much worse than that because of the stigma and the fear of losing jobs. People just aren't willing to admit that they're suffering from PTSD. So my guess is it's far worse than that uh, in our first responders. Um, so the, the statistics show that a law enforcement officer or a firefighter is more likely to die from suicide than from line of duty. Um, in 2020, 186 first responders committed suicide. In 2021, 171 first responders committed suicide. That, it's huge. It's a problem that we got to solve. Um, and, and, it, and the only way we're going to solve it is as a community, as, as, uh, as we come together. Then you, then you talk about the issue of service members and veterans. It's estimated that 83% of the U.S. veterans and service members currently suffer from PTSD. 83%. This has a result of a huge rise in suicide, not only on active duty, but in the reserves, the National Guard, and of our, of our veterans as well. Since 9-11, understand the problem that we have here. Since 9-11, 30,177 active duty personnel and veterans have committed suicide. That's far more, far more than were killed in the line of duty on active duty in combat. 7,916 of those were either active duty, National Guard or Reserve, so serving current, that they were currently serving. So 22,261 veterans since 9-11 have committed suicide. We're losing on average 22 veterans a day to suicide, 22 veterans a day. So I'm not, I'm not a trained medical professional or counselor, and I don't claim to be, uh, and I don't claim to have all the answers, but I do have some suggestions, some things that I've been taught been, uh, and that I've used and, and that other people have told me have helped them. Uh, so I got some ideas that we can help help this problem. So things that we can do to help our friends and colleagues, because I think we probably all know somebody who is suffering from PTSD or depression for whatever reason. I think one of the things that, that is important is that you just make yourself available to listen to people. And, and my wife really is the one who, who drilled this into my head that you should never walk away from somebody when they're talking and really need, you can, you can tell when they just need to talk, even no matter what, there's nothing more important than stopping what you're doing and listening to people. Cause studies show that the feeling of being isolated or alone is one of the major contributors to suicide and depression, but certainly suicide. Then you got to, so you, you just stop and listen to people, be a good listener. And I know that not one of our strong suits in America, but, but we got to work on that. We have to have to do that. Then you got to know the signs that, that you should be worried about with your friends. Are they pulling away from anything? Are, are they excessive, starting to drink excessively? Are there signs of depression? Um, just know the warning signs so that you can dedicate a little bit more time to them if need be. And then the last piece for your friend and or one of the last pieces, know what the triggers are. Because one of the things that I found out that I figured out and that people have told me is that certain things then trigger uh, events, whether it's suicide or, or excessive drinking or whatever, bouts of violence. And some of those are events. 
you know, if you got police friends or firefighters or EMTs or or EMSs, uh, people who are friends, doctors, nurses, mass suicide or mass shootings is a is one of those trigger events. Even if it doesn't happen in your area, if it happened before and they've been involved in it, then if it happens somewhere else, that could be a trigger that that uh, causes that. For military guys, I know it was like the um, fall of Afghanistan was a huge one. And I made sure that I reached out to a bunch of my friends who had served there because I knew that was going to be a trigger to some of them. Uh, and then dates and anniversaries, you know, the day that your somebody, a friend or a family member died in um, is a is a huge issue. Or maybe in it was um, 9-11 for some of our first responders whatever, just understand that dates and anniversaries can be a trigger as well. And then the last piece is just reach out. Again, we call it in the, in the Army uh, doing a radio check. If you know somebody's suffering or you know somebody's struggling, then just reach out to them and make sure you make them understand that you're there for them and that they're not alone, that you, you're, they, they are appreciated, they're needed, and they're loved, and that, that you're there. So just be for them. Then Things that the, we can do to help the community. I said, number one, I think we've got to get involved. However you can, whatever that means to you. And it's going to be different. Everybody's involvement is going to be different. Some people can give, you know, use your talents however you can and whatever it is you can. Some people are going to donate time. If you got time on your hands and you can donate time, good for you. Some people will donate money, and that's okay. If you got money that you can donate, there's plenty of organizations out there that need it. And some of it just might be your services. Um, maybe you, maybe you're a public speaker that you can talk. Maybe you're a nurse, then you can go do that, or whatever it is. But whatever your talent is, then donate it. Whether it's time, money, services, etc. Then contribute to the local charities. And again, that can be however, and or the national ones. But that can be however that um, that uh, you you deem necessary and how much you can afford to do. But but the, again, the need out there is so huge and the, the, these organizations need uh, money to do the things that they do to help our people. Then volunteer your time to the local organizations. Be on the board, be a planner, an organizer, campaigner, go, you know, uh, help, help with fundraising, whatever it is that you can do to help these organizations. Then uh, Engage with people in the, in uh, need as often as you can, wherever you can, however you can. Again, be a good le listener because I, I think that's that's huge. And then the last piece of it is know what the local organizations are, so that when you run into somebody who needs some help, you can you can direct them to those uh, organizations that will help them. This is a huge problem in our country and in our communities, uh, and it goes beyond suicide. It's you know. P PTSD, depression, not only causes suicide, but it also br breaks up our families and, and those kinds of things as well. So it's not just about suicide and it's not just about PTSD. It's about both of it. And, and, uh, and so we got to, if we're going to fix this, we got to do it as a community. There's no other way around it. And lastly, I just want, again, I want to thank you, Aaron, for letting me come be a part of your show. This is a great, this is such a huge an important issue and we've got to get it right because it, it's something we got to fix uh, as a community. Yeah. Thank you. Great points. Yeah. hundred percent right on track with you. Uh, so 
And the research continues to demonstrate just everything that you said, um, and also in, in the business sector as well. Uh, we'll talk more about that uh, with our next speaker. But before our next speaker is up, I've got a guest musician. Let me do this share screen again. So I was actually um, a part of an incredible music program in high school through uh, our director, Bernard Krauss. He created a legacy program where uh, this was an elite group. You had to be invited to audition for the group. And he continued to raise the standards year after year after year. And this um, individual uh, was a part of the United States Air Force. Um, he graduated a couple years after me and was able to perform as part of the Topson Blue Group for one of our Super Bowls. Uh, and he had reached out last year asking if I could help coach him to get more experiences with uh, solo opportunities. And uh, so he's been getting into social media and whatnot, um, but he also is balancing the life balance of being a parent and his wife is going through cancer treatments right now. Um, so learning to find time for his joy so he could be happier for his family and be more and do more for them. Uh, so this is an original song that he uh, shared here on his TikTok through his YouTube channel. I remember when we went out on our first date. I don't remember it all, but I remember you looked great. You were wearing a dress, I remember it was silky and red. Now all these images keep playing back inside my head. Oh, why did I have to lie? Oh. short and sweet. Nice job, Matt. <laughs> All right. And we've got our next edutainer coming up. And I'm really excited. Uh, Stephen and I connected, I believe, last year through LinkedIn. Um, he's actually tuning in from Budapest, Hungary. Um, he is, I'm going to read his bio. Um, he is a business advisor, author, and speaker who's been handpicked to consult with some of the most influential people in the world, rock stars, singers, actors, business leaders, and politicians um, about how to build value and loyalty and develop strategies for increasing beneficial relationships and achieving true quality of life. Stephen Kuhnhail is from Pennsylvania, United States and served in the US Army from 1986 to 1993 in Germany and one tour as a Sergeant in Iraq during Operation Desert Storm. Upon discharge from the army, Kuhn continued to live in Europe, where he later became a best-selling author, a multi-country business turnaround leader, political consultant, and completed his MBA at a prestigious Bradford University School of Business Management in Leeds, UK. Together with his co-author, he wrote the book, Unleash Your Humble Alpha, which shows readers how to own their presence in life and become the epic leader they are meant to be. Take it away. 
Stephen. Indeed. Thanks so much, Aaron. Thank you so much, everyone, for being here and those watching sooner or later. Uh, wonderful to be here. Uh, yeah. You know, like Aaron said, I've been all over the place, lived in eight countries, moving to uh, the ninth now uh, soon. And uh, I've, what I've always done is always, always poured into those around me. And that's sort of what the book is, is based upon. Uh, how do you pour into those around you? Unleash your humble alpha. Um, and today, we, we only have a short period of time, but I want to talk about building a community in business to strengthen mental health and profitability. And, you know, when it comes to mental health, as a combat veteran with PTSD, this is an issue that is near and dear to me. You know, being active in the veteran space is how I give back. So I'm always active in the veteran space. We have one of the largest groups on Facebook uh, with veteran entrepreneurs, and I'm always out there lending an ear. Um, to, to the veteran space. We do live events and we have an NFT project. We have, because like I said, Facebook groups and so on and so forth. So really, really trying to get back. But such a community is clearly needed that is free of stigma and stereotypes. This also goes for the civilian world, which is what I want to touch upon. Yeah. So back about 10 years ago, when I was a corporate director for Europe, for a very large listed company in the UK uh, and with a joint venture with a NASDAQ listed company, I had a few PTSD issues <laughs> at one time in my life and uh, I had no one to discuss it with because there was no department or person responsible for mental health in Europe. Uh, it's still stigmatized. Um, it isn't like in America where every second person or third person has a therapist that doesn't happen here. <laughs> and so that really, um, that really affected me because I had nowhere to turn. Right. And when the CEO spoke to me a few weeks later, he was like, what, what's, what's wrong? What, 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 what's wrong with you? Why are you upset? And you know, why do you look, sad or depressed or whatever. And for the first time, I told him about my PTSD. He was shocked and, and looked very scared, even though I actually hired this guy years before and trained him. And then I left the company. And then when I returned two years later, he was the CEO. So I hired a guy who then I was working for. So it was quite strange, but a really good guy. So I known him for a long time. So after that discussion, about a day later, I got, a, I got an end of contract notice. I was a self-employed um, consultant. And he verbally stated he didn't write it, but he verbally stated it was because I am I am a danger with such PTSD issues. Now I've been working for them for almost 15 years. Wow. And suddenly I'm a I'm a danger because he heard about the PTSD and because he had a stigma and a stereotype attached to combat PTSD. And so that cost me my 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 career and with that company, which always turns out to be for the better, and it was for the better. Um, but that's just an example of how I personally went through. Uh, and completely saw the lack of any structure uh, in, in, the, in the corporate world. And that's just one example of how not having a structure in place can not only cost someone a contract or a job, but it perpetuates a stigma. Mm -hmm. That's not accurate for every person with mental health issues. Just, mm -hmm. It's just not accurate. If we look at a company, and this is what we're talking about here, profitability is key. I think we can all agree on that. That's, that's why companies exist. That's why there's corporations, that's why there's LLCs, SPVs, whatever, they're, whatever you want to call them, LLPs. What drives revenue, if you boil it all down, is the delivery of a solution to your clients or customers by or through a passionate employee. Right? Passionate employees aren't only motivated by wages or salary, are they? They're, mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're motivated through productive, inspiring culture within mm -hmm. the business. Mm -hmm. And I have a saying that culture follows action. Right? And simply put, what the leadership sets forth is how the company will follow Profitability, profitability is directly affected by a negative culture as well as lowered production and creativity. You want higher production and creativity, you create a culture in there that's fostering, nurturing, listening, hearing, not, 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 you know, not only hearing what they're saying, but listening what they mean when they say what they say. 
and uh, you know, regular, I don't know if we have to get into the KPIs and everything, but there's regular, you know, reviews and things like that that you want to go through as well. Uh, but every employee must have the support of their hierarchy mm-hmm. or that team member can become a seed of dissent that then spreads. And it's happened as, as we've all probably experienced ourselves. And we as leaders, we owe it to those who look to us as leaders to take the time and consider what it is that we can do to tend to those with mental health issues. It's literally success of our company that is at risk. But more importantly, not dealing with these issues can lead to depression in the employee and maybe even worse. And it does happen, as Oak just stated. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a crazy world we live in. Why not make our own personal world as positive as, and, and supportive as we can with those around us? Because in the end of the day, the only real change that we can affect is the change in our world directly. And we create what we call radiant value to the world around you. Yeah, what do you think, Aaron? I love it. 100%. 100%. And you touched on so many things. I was just thinking about my current day job. I had opened up about some of my current stressors dealing with a variety of transitions, temporary address at one point, moved twice in the first couple months. I presented the information to them of why I was being so short with my direct supervisor. Well, in 2020, I had expanded my company across three continents without any business loans or grants through internship partnerships through universities. I actually have one of my interns. Um, he hopped off, but Keishi was a part of our experience at the beginning of this. Uh, I thought that I, you know, when you got your business technologies hacked into whatnot, you can't control that uh, as a brand new first grader to smart technologies. And uh, when you're dealing with professionals that do it for a living, I thought that I was a bad business leader. Uh, but after getting my technologies back and having incredible miracle after miracle of veterans and first responders stepping up to help me get back on track that I didn't even know from one connection that I met. And I'll share a little bit more later. Um, We're all interconnected um, in business, in our communities, in the world. And it's not only going to be more profitable in your business. If you make sure that each employee is heard, uh, it's going to be more substantial in the in the family sector in our communities um it's hard to it's hard to uh realize unless you're actually run a big business or you've been in a big business or you you know i had 3500 employees um it's sometimes hard to realize that what you're talking about and what i'm talking about is difficult like very there's so many moving pieces so many you know so many people that have different you know characters and ideas and attitudes and trying to, it's like herding cats, right? Trying, trying to get this done. But if you use procedures and put procedures in place and structures and SOPs in place that actually people actually read and it's not just sitting on a shelf to look good for corporate, corporate HQ, then you can actually accomplish something that can, can wonderfully transform your company. And I did that to a location actually in Budapest, which is why I came here in the first place 13 years ago. And I completely transformed that company through the culture. We took a company that was losing... They had opened up nine months earlier. They were already losing like one one point one million, uh, and it was a twenty nine million investment, and uh, uh, in, into that location. So they called me in to turn it around. And most most turnaround people turn around through, uh, you know, leaders. They turn around through cutting costs and re, you know reengineering the financials. Well, I did that too, but I reengineered the culture in that company, and I reengineered that company culture to the point where we were plus two million within another nine months. Mm-hmm. 
And it was the same people, didn't fire anybody, didn't punish anyone. I just got them to a point where they were motivated by what it was that they could accomplish that added to the bottom line to make them feel like they were a part of the entire mission, right? Use some of that military mindset there, right? We, and, and instead of us, I mean, instead of I, it's always mm -hmm. us, we, you know? And as leaders, we stand in front of people sometimes and say, I, me, me, I, I think this and I think that. No, it's we, it's us always. And I know that's so, that's so basic, but once you get into the flow of the world and your business with all these people, you, you tend to get elevated without even trying. So people are like, oh, Steve's a big boss, you know, oh, you know, don't, you know, don't mess with him. Or, you know, you can't talk directly to him. You got to go through his assistant and things like that. It's all in my, in my world. that was all BS. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't operate that way. But in the end, um, working on ourselves first as leaders, which is what our book is all about. It's about self-leadership, you know, and self-leadership is about owning your identity. Like, who are you really? If I ask everybody here who they are, you might, you might say author, mother, father, cook, whatever, you know, you might say that, but that's actually what you do. That's your job. That's not who you are. Yeah. Right. So in our book, we go into the really deep into the first, um, you know, chapter about how to find your identity and your two word moniker. And once you find that, uh, then you're really powerful. You can unleash your humble alpha into the world around you and actually have an impact that creates that ripple effect that I was talking about, that radiant value. Love that. Thank you so much. I appreciate you stepping in. And also just want to give you a, a shameless plug. Also, uh, when people reach out to you, at least from my, from my experience, you respond immediately. I had felt led, I think in November of last year, uh, just had this spiritual awakening one morning that there was something that I needed to do in the university level. And you immediately responded. You connected me right away to a doctoral chair responsible for multiple universities. It was something that I created out of nothing. Um, and she and I sat down eventually, well, through Zoom and had our conversation and whatnot, and we were going to get set up. And she actually um, went on and sent the email out. Unfortunately, day one of the school year, 85% of students did not show up to school. Yeah. Uh, so they had their own issues um, in the university, but that's something that I'm still going to press forward on in another year. Um, so just thank you for, for stepping in and believing in me personally um, when, you know, I'm creating some things out of nothing and, and all of you that are in the room right now, this is, this is created out of nothing, right? Earlier this year was our first one. This is our number two. So thank you so much. Any last remarks before we move forward? No, well, you know, for, for me, again, radiant value is the most important thing that in, in my life. Right? So that's what I do everywhere I go. You know, and I'm, I'm not saying I'm an angel, right? I'm definitely not an angel. But, you know, I, I try to always have that positive impact on the world around me. You know, I, you know when, when people talk about, you know, we talk in our book, this is an ideal situation and it's a never ending journey. Right. It's never ending. We're always polishing, honing and trying to be better people. And the world around us makes us um, forces us into that. The universe forces us into that. Um, but the, I'm, I'm always accessible always. Like, I mean, I've, I never not answer any, I'm talking email, LinkedIn, Instagram, um, mm -hmm. Facebook, uh, email, you name it, whatever it is. And I, I always, I always have time to answer why, because I built a culture around me of people that are fostering and they want to work with us and for us. So I don't really have that much to do except to lead. And that's sort of, uh, that's sort of the way that I, I am. So that, that way I can do what I love to do most and that's connect people. And so yeah, um, I th thanks for having me. It's always a, always a pleasure. Very inspiring. 
uh, to watch you go through your whatever the, all these things that you're going through and stuff. And yeah, get with Julie and get that course out there. It's not necessarily only if the course will get bought. I mean, the Humble Alpha is a course. Harvard and Stanford are looking looking at it to put it in, into their curriculum right now. Nice. Yeah, and it's it's through Julie. So you know, and will, will we make money on that? Probably not. You know, I mean, Harvard wants it for free, so you know, we're trying to get away from that. Um, but uh, it's great credibility for you. It, it's a building block that you can use to move further. It's pretty awesome. So thank you so much for having me. I do have to duck out here. I got the kids here today. So love it. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, everyone. Have a fantastic one. You too. Bye-bye. All right. And uh, next, I'm going to share this screen here. I had a last fall. Let's see here. I had uh, I was planning to release my first EP. We've had some hiccups through the NFT websites. They don't recognize nonprofit bank accounts yet. Um, however, I had connected through. If you're not, if you're looking for freelance work, Upwork.com or Fiverr, uh, Double R are great websites to hire for freelance projects. Um, happened to connect to Mark Cuban's podcast host, and he loved what uh, the the nonprofit and and focus and whatnot. So he had actually done the production of this song that I had written uh, and it had a Disney flair before I reached out to Lee. So I thought how perfect right before Lee speaks uh, to listen to a little bit of an interlude called Love Unconditionally. website works to allow for the nonprofit uh, bank account information to be approved. Uh, our first EP Love Conquers All will be released and um, we'll be sharing the revenue profits with all 100 plus volunteers in 26 countries that helped me launch my nonprofit last year and helped me heal really. Uh, without further ado, we've got Lee Cockrell. I'm going to read a little bit of his bio and just um, this is just some things that I had written up. There's so much more to write. Uh, over 50 years of leadership experience in the hotel industry, 50 years of marriage leadership uh, that he started as a new family legacy from the get go. His son recently has taken over as head of Disney Hotels so that Lee can spend more time with his family and doing what he enjoys, coaching and speaking at events just like this for our veteran families and releasing new best-selling books like The Customer Rules and Time Management Magic. Take it away, Lee. 
Hey there. Hi, everybody. Well, this is a good subject. I, uh, I, I think you're predestined sometimes for this uh, anxiety and depression. I grew up in Oklahoma, extremely poor on a farm. We didn't even have indoor plumbing. I tell my grandkids that they think I'm lying. But uh, and my brother and I, we didn't even know it was a problem because we didn't know any different until we went to somebody's house that had the toilet inside. Then we wanted one. But um, I even say we weren't we didn't even know we were hot until we found somebody's house that had air conditioning. So it's all what you're used to and what you're exposed to. And uh, um, so I grew up there. it, uh, I would say, a pretty dysfunctional family. My mother was married five times. She was kind of busy. So uh, I'm sure I've, and I told people I'm totally normal. My wife says, no, you're not. But uh, I've been adopted twice. I got my name Cockrell when I was 16 by husband number four. And um, he had money. My mother started making better choices. So <laughs> I got to go to college. So I went up to Oklahoma State for two years and promptly flunked out because I never went to class. Was not a good student. Our family never really focused on education. It was no big deal. I was the first one to even go to college. And uh, so I went in the Army, probably the best thing I ever did. And uh, 1964, I went in the Army and and uh, I met a guy there. Eventually, when we got out, uh, he said, you want to go to Washington, D.C. with me? And I said, sure. I'd never been out of Oklahoma until I was 20 years old. And for, uh, is it Shami there? Shami. I never met a black person until I was 20 years old. I grew up in Oklahoma where the only good people were white and Baptist. So (laughs) I needed to get out of there. I said I was a potential racist, a potential bigot. And I got out, went in the Army. I learned a lot. Those become the people you work with. They become your friends. They become exposure to the world. And then I went to Washington, D.C. And if you don't like other people, don't go to Washington because everybody. (laughs) And I tell people today, if you want to be successful, the three things that make a difference are education. It doesn't have to be college. It can be just curiosity and learning and going on Google and taking seminars and attending things like this and reading and getting experience. Second experience, I tell people, is the MBA of uh, life. (laughs) It's better than college. (laughs) When you know, you know. (laughs) When you've done it, nobody can tell you about it. Mm -hmm. And last is exposure. Exposure to the people in the world and other religions and other sexual orientations and everything. And I've since I left Oklahoma, I've never been anywhere. Now I've done business and I've traveled to 48 countries in the world. I have. I tell people I have a lot of friends with the name Mohammed, Ricardo, Maria, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and a lot of people don't. And uh, mm-hmm. they're all great people, and we're good friends, and and uh, that's what exposure does for you. Now, so life was going good. I mean, I worked for Hilton Hotels for eight years, did well, left them because I had a boss I couldn't stand, and he I don't think he liked me either. So mm-hmm. I ended up going to Marriott. And uh, stayed 17 years. I became the vice president of food and beverage operations there because I became an expert in something. So I tell everybody, become an expert in something. Get to know people. So by the time I got to Marriott, I was a, I really, after Marriott, I'd become an f- expert in the food business. I'd been in accounting. I've been a cook. I've been all of these things. And I got recruited by Disney to go to France and open Disneyland Paris in the food business over there. And my wife made me go because she wanted to live in France. So uh, off we went. And uh, best experience I ever had. 
came back to Disney World for 13 years and ran Disney World operations. And everything was great in my life. My son married a French lady and we got three grandkids that are French and American and they're all doing well. And my wife got very sick in uh, 08, had a failed bowel resection surgery, almost died, was in the hospital 64 days. The bill was $700,000. Luckily, I still had Disney insurance, so they wish I'd have left earlier, but I'd retired by then. And uh, I ended up with anxiety and depression, uh, taking care of her for two years. I mean, it it came on slowly. First, and then all of a sudden I couldn't sleep. That's the beginning of the end. When you can't sleep, then it gets worse and worse and worse. So I sat on the couch and felt sorry for myself, looked at Dr. Google every day to see what the problem was. It didn't sound good. So I'd say, don't go there. And uh, my wife finally made me go see a psychiatrist, and I did. And um, I'm pretty disciplined, but I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to get off the couch. I didn't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to have coffee with anybody. I didn't want to uh, nothing. Uh, didn't want to exercise. Didn't want to do anything. Saw the psychiatrist, and he tell, told me, "Tell me, tell me about your life." And I did, and I told him about my life and how I was taken away from my grandmother when I was about three, and because we moved, and she was the rock in my life. And uh, he said, "Yeah," he said that was a form of uh, abandonment, taking you away from when you're that age, somebody who you really depend on. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, when you thought your wife's going to die, that all came rushing back. That mm-hmm. She was going to die and you were going to be abandoned and you ended up with anxiety and depression. And so I got on some meds and they worked after a few months. And uh, then I went through another series of it two or three layers later, back into it again uh, with some problems I had here. And, uh, I really got focused on it that time. And I will tell anybody listening, if you don't fight it, it gets worse. And I started exercising every day, even though I hated it, didn't want to do it. I did it at four o'clock. I saw a psychologist on Monday. I saw a psychiatrist once a month. I did uh, uh, yoga. I did meditation. I quit. I canceled all my work for a year and uh, didn't travel. I get, the last speech I gave, I didn't know if I could get up and do it. I had so much anxiety, and I think I popped a Xanax and got through it. <laughs> but then I got hooked on Xanax and had to work myself off of that, which is really hard. Now I see how people get on drugs. It's mm-hmm. uh, brutal because you look forward to the next one in six hours because it makes you feel so good momentarily. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I drank a little wine and take a Xanax, and life went from bad to worse, and then I actually, when I was doing all this stuff, uh, really focused 100% on me and my health. And and luckily, I had support, too. Not everybody does. I had a wife that harassed me to make me get better mm-hmm. and family and grandkids. And a lot of people came over just to sit and talk to me because earlier, Colonel McCullough said, uh, being isolated is really that's deadly. Mm-hmm. And I'd had people coming. I didn't want them to come, but I felt better after they came. We sat outside and talked and uh, had some interaction. And uh, and slowly but surely, I, I worked my way out of it. But I've become an expert now. I can spot a depressed, anxiety person a mile away mm-hmm. when they become remote. They don't return your calls. They don't want to see you. They don't. Uh, I always tell people when something changes, somebody when somebody changes, 
something has changed. Mm-hmm. And our job as leaders, parents, is to find out what it is. And in the workplace, I don't think many leaders are paying attention to this. Uh, when people become reserved and they don't, they're not who they were, it's, that's the time uh, to f- dig in deeper. Because everybody in America puts on a good face. If I ask you how you're doing, everybody says, great. Yep. That's the biggest lie in America. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> got a problem and worried about 10,000 things. Mm-hmm. And so we got to pay attention to it. Kids in school, grade school, middle school, high school, college. It's mother and fathers, uh, people that are have health problems. I mean, I would say anxiety is at the all-time high right now around the world because yeah. of what we've been through and what we're going through. And so um, – I think understanding it is one of the best things for me to understand why I was going through this, why it happened. I had never had a moment of anxiety or depression, and I was 65 when this happened. So that just shows you it can happen to anybody, it can happen at any time, and you may not know, and you probably won't know what the trigger is yeah. uh, because uh, you just don't know why. I couldn't believe it. And and so um, I would say that uh, – Hopefully you're making friends. Hopefully you stay close to your family. Hopefully you uh, listen to the people around you because uh, when when you have this, it's easy to be defensive and tell people leave you alone. You don't care. Get away. You know I don't need this. I know what I'm doing. And it's true. Most people don't speak up about it, especially in the military. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to Iraq in 2011 during the war and gave 13 seminars on this very subject to the troops all over the country and to the State Department. And it, it was a real issue. And I think me talking to them about it, I just told everybody I was suffering. I didn't hide it. And that helped me. I just told people, you know, I'm having anxiety and depression now. I don't want to see you. I don't want to do anything. And the more open you can become about any issue in your life, people Uh, it's something to talk about. And I I think more military people are talking about it slowly. We've Mm -hmm. had several friends commit suicide that were ex-military and others. And uh, so hopefully these kind of talks like this get people to say, if it happens to you, don't try to hide it. Get Mm -hmm. it out there like anything, any any treatment you need, get it out there so you get the treatment. And uh, no isolation. Mm-hmm. We've got a friend right now that's going through this because of a divorce and uh, happening just soon. And uh, they and uh, you got to get just little things like go outside, mm-hmm. walk around, mm-hmm. go somewhere and have a coffee and just get in and listen to the music. And, and the other things we did, I took caffeine out of my diet. I quit drinking all alcohol. I uh, really paid attention to my diet. Uh, I uh, quit watching any violent TV. We only turned on music on in the evening and listened and read and calmed down the whole atmosphere. Mm-hmm. All of these things trigger, you know, diet. You'd be surprised. Uh, caught caffeine can really make it worse. And, mm-hmm. and all of those things are hard to quit doing. But as you, if you have the discipline to do the hard things, you get better quicker. Mm-hmm. And, uh, a lot of people don't have discipline. That's the biggest problem in most of our lives and in all parts of our lives. We know what we should do, but we don't do it because our brain lies to us. Always remember your brain lies to you. <laughs> so it doesn't always give you the best advice. <laughs> and uh, so uh, friends and family help, uh, being aware of it, having knowledge about it so you can spot it and understand there is something you can do about it. And I think 
mostly uh, over time with 80% of people can probably be cured with medication today and therapy and doing all the right things. But a lot of people don't have the access to that. Uh, You know, a lot of psychiatrists don't take uh, insurance uh, or Medicare. I'm on Medicare and Medicaid. And so I think it's just like anything else, learn, learn about it, watch out for it. Pay attention to your kids, your family, your parents, other people around you, because it's pretty prevalent. And my wife said once when we moved, we moved 11 times in my career and she moved 12 with her dad who was in the Navy. And we had moved for about the fourth, I don't know, fifth time. I'd been fired from a job and we finally got a job and and it had been a stressful time. And she recently said, did you and did you and Daniel, our son, ever realize I laid on the couch for two weeks depressed? No, we didn't notice. I mean, men don't notice anything, you know, and uh, we we should have been paying more attention to that. Yeah. And we didn't. We were young. No, we didn't even know about. I don't even think we knew about depression. But uh, anyway, uh, we can all get more knowledgeable on it. Anything you become an expert in and get more knowledgeable, you can be a help. You can help people. And uh, especially now, I talk to a lot of people about it. I gave a speech to a group of students uh, at University of Central Florida recently and one of the students came up to me after and said thank you for talking about that I went through this and my professor noticed my professor noticed the change in me and got me help you know somebody noticed Mm -hmm. and uh, we're so busy running around and not noticing and uh, now I notice if my wife's not in a good mood and that's why she's I've been married 54 years she said she's going to stay so I know I'm doing better (laughs) so uh just uh, it's something that uh, it's it's real. It's like spraining your ankle. It's like having a heart attack, bypass surgery. It's like anything. It's it's uh, mental and it can be solved. Yeah. But you got to work at it and go get professional help. You can't do it by yourself. I don't think. I personally don't think. Or you can't do it quick enough by yourself. Yeah. So and it's true. People get divorces and they all the worst things happen when you're in that kind of or. Yeah, or a sick child or anything can trigger it. But I it's a subject I'm very interested in. I talk about it every speech I give around the world. At the end, I talk about this. And every time bunches of people come up and tell me, thank you. My husband's going through this. My son is, my daughter, my dad, my mom had heart. I mean, it's amazing. And one minister told me once, he said, I think you saved a lot of lives today, Lee, by talking about that because nobody ever talks about it. Yeah. And so talk about it. And I said, that's what I do for a living now. I speak, I teach, and I preach. <laughs> you can have either one you want. <laughs> and uh, the teaching's probably the best. Preaching may get some people's attention. Uh, certainly speaking, people, it's, they like it. But uh, teaching, we all need, we need less bosses and more teachers in the world that are willing to not boss you around. I said, I don't want somebody thinking they work for me. I want people thinking they work with me. Mm-hmm. And once you change that attitude, people have less anxiety. They have less stress. They enjoy their job. They don't quit. Uh, and when you have an organization where everybody matters and they know they matter because you make sure they know they matter. Mm-hmm. And because uh, let me tell you that I would say half the people in the world or maybe all of them are suffering from some kind of insecurity like this and uh, it'll bite you and it's getting more stressful. There's more anxiety now because everything's coming at us. We've got more responsibility. America is very fragile. 
you get yeah. you get sick or lose your job here, and nobody gives a damn. I mean, yeah. it's like uh, fragile, 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 and we're seeing it every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I won't even get started on politics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that could be our part B version. <laughs> I know a lot of people every day when I talk about why we're not taking better care of people and education. We got like Florida's got the worst education in the world. Oklahoma, where I'm from, is on a four day school day. I mean, give me a break. I mean, we're getting dumber by the minute. And when you're dumb, you make bad decisions. <laughs> so I may move to France. I'm not sure yet. But uh, you guys take care, Aaron. Thanks. I hope this is helpful. It's uh, amazing. Thank you. It's a subject that's not going to go away. Absolutely. And uh, so there you are. Thank you. You take care. And I got to run too. My wife's back here with somewhere, something for me to do. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time, Lee. And uh, my mom's going to do the intro for for me because it's weird to talk about yourself. And then I'm going to share some original music. So we'll send you the replay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, get used to talking about yourself. You're the best <laughs> expert on yourself. <laughs> okay, take care. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, take it away, Elizabeth Rice. Erin Nicole is the host and founder of the globally recognized top 10% Move Happy Movement podcast, host out of... 2.78 plus million podcast shows across all industries, respectively. She is the creator of 14 alternative therapies for all ages, both group and individual, and creator of over 100 plus songs to improve mood and make positive impact on the world to help end global suicide and suicidal ideations. Her first music EP, Love Conquers All, is soon to be released as an NFT gift to all 100 plus volunteers from 26 plus countries that helped launch her nonprofit in 2021, Erin Nicole Ministries, with minimum donations not exceeding a few hundred dollars. Her first concert of 2021 was from homelessness in an Airbnb. And her 11th concert of 2021 was in a donated home from a Desert Storm veteran with a presidential candidate of the United States of America in attendance, along with keynote speakers, a husband and wife judge, and high-level executive of Costco that spoke on the power of marriage. And it was awesome. In 2022, Erin sensed a need to add the medical component and combined her three pillars of her for-profit business, Move Happy, Mindset, Community, and Fitness as the umbrella topics of each real entertainment therapy experience to share with the world how these three aspects, along with music in every crevice of her life, have kept her going on her darkest days as a woman who has been diagnosed with depression the age of 14, but to prevent her from living a life full of joy. Erin does not allow the diagnosis to keep her from living an outstanding life, despite incredible circumstances, her entire 36 years being on earth. She's going to share a few original songs, and if 
you enjoy. Three, she might even share a new song she's been working on called Can We Be Friends? as a kind way to break up with someone who isn't treating you at your value that you deserve, but doesn't need to be disrespected during the breakup process. It is my honor to present to you my precious daughter, Erin Nicole. Thank you, Mom. Great job reading that. I'm going to share the screen here. (laughs) And our first song is... Here we go. This song I wrote uh, with my veteran protector of 2020 uh, off the grid. Here we go. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for joining the second ever real entertainment therapy experience. Super grateful for all of you stepping up to the plate. Those of you that have been edutaining, um, you're amazing. Um, Those of you that performed, thank you so much for sharing your gifts. I'm going to share some original songs that I wrote in various seasons. Um, This first song, of course, is dedicated to all the veterans and first responders that kept me safe in 2020. Um, I only met one of them, who was a homeless veteran who took me under his wing uh, when I had a home break in and digital technologies uh, attack um, and a hit put on my life. And I made it through that, through the grace of the creator of the universe. So super grateful for them. They will always get free concerts and you get to enjoy this song too. It's called Veterans and First Responders. I thank you.
mistaken um, I didn't write that song with my veteran protector I wrote that because he had told me that he had some friends and was gonna help keep me safe and whatnot um, this next song we wrote together um, so we had to move to a second safe house uh, the first location uh, someone that worked there had gotten fired for allowing homeless addicts into the it was like a motel situation in at nighttime that weren't paying and she got fired and then she called corporate and told them that there was a rule we weren't supposed to stay if we were considered displaced or homeless um past 26 days so in the middle of winter of 2020 um all of us people that were displaced in there for domestic violence or for a variety of things um, we all had to find housing and so he made sure that i was added onto the uh, Veterans Affairs through the uh, the VA as his caretaker because I was taking him to doctor's appointments and whatnot. And we just kind of built a friendship from there. I might actually say it in the video, so I apologize if I repeat, but here we go. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. So this next song I actually wrote with my veteran protector of 2020. He did not want his name recognized. He wants to be private, but also he wanted to give all honor to all veterans and all first responders. Uh, this, this song was inspired. The melody came to me a few days before uh, December 15th, 2020, but I didn't have the lyrics yet. And um, I was walking outside our perimeter of the second uh, place where we had to stay because the first place had kicked out all uh, homeless people uh, from the establishment and I was uh, considered homeless and displaced at this time and he took me under his wing he got me added through the VA as his caretaker because I was taking him to doctor's appointments and he made sure that I was protected and he made sure that I had housing, um, very humbling part of my life. And I'll never forget what he did for me. Um, so this song we actually wrote together, he helped me with the bridge. I'm not super strong on writing bridges. Sometimes songs come really fast and sometimes they don't. Um, but the, the walk I had that morning outside the perimeter for like an hour, it was still dark outside. And that was, I just, prayed during that time I exercised I meditated and the creator of the universe spoke in my heart and said you were creating this song today 
when you get back to your room, it's going to impact the whole world. So I hope you like it. It's called The World Needs Your Love. I wish they I can't do it 
be in search of your children, every boy and girl, the world needs your love. Help me to be more than enough. The world needs your love. I know I can't do it without you. The boys and girls need your love. Thank you for tuning in. Check out the next video for the next one. Hey guys, thank you so much Ooh. for listening. All right. And this next song I wrote in 2020, co-wrote it in honor of the International Mental Health Day. It's called You Are Loved. Just want to bring appreciation and hope and love to everybody that's struggling right now in the world. All right, I wrote this song, I co-wrote it actually um, in 2020 in honor of the International Mental Health Day. It's called You Are Loved. To the one with the same flaws as yesterday, ones with a child and a baby on the way, those who pray for work, it's been tough, no doubt. You are loved, you are loved, my baby, you are loved. Overseas, mom's going back to school to fight disease. Educators in your class teaching from the screen, yet feeling so alone. We are loved, we are loved, we are loved. My baby, we are loved, we are loved. Students graduate waiting on their own. Your light shines through this unknown, and grandma says, I love you through that glass. Papa's proven smile gives me hope for the class And I don't feel so alone Cause I am loved I am loved Love, love, love Our world is on fire That's how it was born We are loved because he says so You are loved.
guys. If you're loving it, we might have an encore next. <laughs> what do you guys think? You want to listen to the encore? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, this song I wrote, um, I think, I think it was in December last year. I might say it in the intro, but it's if you're going through a breakup or you need to break up with someone, um, if it's an unhealthy marriage where your life is in danger or things of that nature, um, but you want to be kind to that person and not try to destroy them as a human being, uh, that's what this song is all about. Um, breaking up with someone while still trying your best to remain friends. If they're violent, maybe you need to like love them from a long, long distance. Um, but yeah, here we go. Take three. Can we be friends? This might be the one. <laughs> All right. We've been going for a while. Romance is not ideal. I love your Casca said so. Can I please share my real feelings? We are much better solo since you stopped pursuing your passions. I don't want to hold you back. Before you give me your reaction, just listen. Ooh, can we be friends? Ooh, is it cool? Ooh, ooh. our best for you. Is it true? from Brenda Murphy and then we'll leave the doors open um, for as long as you guys want to stay or if you have any questions um, for about 30 minutes or so. 
All right, here she is. All right. Thank you for being a part of the second ever real entertainment therapy experience. Brenda Murphy is going to close out the show with some practical tips and strategies in order to help you build strong communities, whether it's in your family, your church, your neighborhood, your job, or even if you're retired in your retirement community, because maybe you're feeling isolated and uh, you live in an assisted living facility right now and they're not allowing for volunteers anymore to come sing you some music or come play games with you. Um, please have a, a deep listen, take some notes. She's going to give some golden nuggets. Here she is. You're such a fighter. People have asked me, have said these last few years, people I know, you're always so positive and you're always just smiling and just keeping people going. I said, well, that's, I'm an external stimulus. Mm -hmm. I love people. Yes. I don't, and I, and I run from negativity or I try and turn negativity around. Yes. Many times I've been able to turn negativity around by just saying, you know, why, what, get to the root. Let's go a level deeper. Yeah. Why, why are you like this? You know, why? And let, let's go a little deeper. Find out where's the hurt. Because most of us wrapped around hurt. Mm, yes. Yeah. And if you can take time away from wherever it is and have, peaceful moments with people whether it's 15 minutes or mm -hmm. however long it is yeah hours, then you um you may be able to help them overcome some of this and have the second half of their life be just you know very fruitful yeah. positive and they may be able to share that with other people you know yeah god and i have a pack if he wakes me up in the morning i'll get up and enjoy the best parts of of you know of of life love that and so even if i'm um you know i'm getting up i have a huge swollen arm i've got all sorts of you wouldn't even recognize me here mm. and uh and but i get up and 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 go yeah and even if it's in my slippers and i walk around the patio to watch the golfers then mm -hmm. that's what i do and so you just pick out those things that make you happy. Yeah. Um, and write them. Sometimes you just need to write them down. And uh, and so that you'll recall that. Yeah. And you go, what are the top 10 things that make me happy? I'm just going to write them down. And so decide what those are. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a struggle time, start fixating on those things that make you happy. Whether they're your grandkids or buying a you know, latte every day or whatever. Yes. <laughs> Love that. And, uh, you know, try and get, use a few things in there that have some depth to them. Mm -hmm. Like grandkids or something. Yeah. But, um, you know, and also talk with my people. I just had someone come over here, had several people today, but uh, someone came over here today that just, uh, you know, shared some visions and, uh, um, and it was really nice talking to her because, you know, she reminded me of all the positive things that I've shared in this resort with tennis teams and, and, uh, and everything. And, and I said, you know what? That's that's a good thing for me to write down. Yeah. And uh, so I had a few more things. And, and, uh, and you know, I, I think uh, 
if you are a person that could tend to look at negative or mm-hmm. or something, you need to do a little more effort on writing the positive side of life down. Yeah. Because there's so much to offer. You know, there just really is. And if you're single, you don't have any grandkids, you don't have any kids, you know, your family's abandoned you, uh, you know, the whole works, you know, that's where I'm at. You know, my entire family has abandoned me mm. uh, because of this medical care and all the problems that it created. And, uh, and you know, they, they just can't handle it. Yeah, and, so uh, sorry to hear handle that. Seeing somebody who's always been so, so strong. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, and I don't have any grandkids and I'm not married. So I don't have all those things that you can use yeah. on your positive side. Yeah. Do you have kids? Do you have a spouse? Do you have grandkids? Do you have you know, the rest of your family? Yeah. Mom and dad. Who do you have? Do you have great friends? Well, I have hundreds and hundreds of fabulous friends. Mm. And uh, because I did not have the distractions of raising families, I have hundreds of fabulous friends. Yeah. I, maybe a thousand, I don't even know, just hundreds. And uh, and I've enriched my life with those with these people. Yeah. And uh, got been able to go deeper and help people. Yes. I didn't have a little kids pulling on my you know shirt pockets, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and you know, we all choose. And uh, mm-hmm. that's what I chose. Yeah. Now my friends are coming to me and helping me out. I love that. Well, you definitely deserve that. You definitely deserve lots of love right now. Lots of, lots of friends coming over as long as you want them there. <laughs> right. <laughs> to make it to, um, make it back to Arizona. And I did mm-hmm. make it to Thanksgiving. I did. Mm-hmm. My goal is to make it to Christmas. And, and I will. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what I got going on. I love that. I love that. In the meantime, share a lot of experiences. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for for taking time, such a precious amount of time to talk with me and to really, I feel loved just hearing more about you. And I'm just, I'm so grateful that I've I've gotten to connect with you. Um, We like, let's go back a little bit. So you were in sports and athletics in school and whatnot. and then I know your passion with tennis and whatnot, when I knew you, when I first met you and whatnot, and you mentioned about walking around, what, what do you enjoy doing as far as movement these days? Is it mostly walking around or are you still playing tennis? No, no. I have a paralyzed arm because I'm not a player. Okay. And so I played very strong, high level tennis all the way up to last March. Okay. Huge shift then. Yeah. Huge, huge shift. Huge shift. Lost uh, Lost my arm, lost my, uh, uh, you know, tremendous pain from your spine to your mm. arm, and uh, very, very swollen. Okay. And lost, um, because of that, lost, uh, I had to sell my arm, uh, lost my, lost many things, lost mm. my favorite dog, mm. and then ended up, uh, uh, I had to sell my horses, sell my motorcycle. A lot of things that gave me independent my whole life. Yeah. My whole life had to go. Yeah. And so I ended up back here, here in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And uh, I knew I needed to get back here to 
just have a peace of mind. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a lot. I I saw a post uh, maybe this last week um, from you. There was a couple of people that had transported you or helped you move down those friends of yours. Yeah. And uh, so they, people got together and put some money together and got me transported down in a, in a, um, in an RV and a motorhome. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to go to the ocean. So we stopped at the ocean. Mm, I love that. And shared ashes, shared ashes with the ocean winds mm. across the sea from my beloved 14 year old border collie, silly. Aww. And, uh, she was taken from me this summer mm. and uh, pretty much everything that I've ever put before me mm -hmm. or in front of me or between me and God, I would say, I'm not sure how a dog is there, but uh, yeah. you know, God, to, God allowed it to be the way. Yeah. So every, everything for four decades that I have worked for was taken away. Yeah. And so, and so I sit here, you know, struggling myself. Yeah. Me trying to for positivity, but now I sit here on this back patio looking for a look through at the sunset mm -hmm. through the palm trees. Mm -hmm. It's probably 70 degrees on the back patio, the Christmas lights on, my neighbors have Christmas lights on. And it makes you smile and you just go, Well, heaven awaits, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, everything we have down here is just for or temporary enjoyment. That's right. And uh, it's those who, who say yes to the good Lord and which Jesus Christ is their Savior will have eternal life. That's not just a cliche. It's, it's real. Yeah. And so eternal life is what I connect to with yeah. no pain. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, you know, and those are those are what I stay focused on right now is is simple little things like the palm trees and the sunset in the back. Yeah. You know, and when I wake up in the morning and I look up and I go, Oh wow, okay, here we go, Lord. <laughs> Here's another day. Yeah. Help you get through it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But I know, you know, I, I am short with uh, everything I have going on in my body. Mm -hmm. it's hard you, you can use it it's hard to come to terms with but you just kind of have to go hour by hour day by day yeah when you wake up that's up. yeah you're such a beautiful soul I'm so grateful to have met you and to know you I really mean that from the bottom of my heart you too <laughs> thank you <laughs> and to watch you continue is is uh, puts a smile on my face. Mm, yay. <laughs> Thank you so much for being a part of the second ever real entertainment therapy experience. This concludes the official portion of today's events, but we will leave the Zoom open for the next 30 minutes. If anyone wants to stay and has questions or wants to collaborate and connect with other members, um, other friends, other veterans, other physicians, other medical providers, or other kids during this experience. Thank you. Don't forget to tell someone you love them today. See you in December for our final real entertainment therapy experience of 2022 with the umbrella focus fitness. <laughs> All right. And any, any last words of 
wisdom advice from my mother. No, I'm just that last part of her interview. Wow. Yeah. Very touching. I'm so glad you knew her on this earth so that when we all get to heaven, we're going to have a party, celebrate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was that was one of the most challenging interviews I've ever done and that was that was something that the creator of the universe spoke in my heart, we need to do this. And I was like, I don't feel comfortable doing this because dad died of cancer, you know? And, uh, and then my first week getting corporate training at towards the end of June of this year with my new day job, uh, the new day job was not a choice. It was forced upon me because someone hit me when I was driving a customer in my lift car and they removed me from the platform. Now we keep moving forward and we keep, you know, focusing on how can we add value in whatever space we're in. I'm grateful for the day job, but that was not something that I wanted to do. So um, we're at corporate training in Atlanta and one, I wasn't sleeping well. And as I didn't mention in any of the videos, but I actually married my hero of 2020 and we're separated right now because there's some there's some evil people out there that are trying to separate love and light. And I know we'll be together one day, but I wasn't sleeping because I'm worried about him. Um, new job. I had to move a couple times and uh, the job was a week long intensive training with the top salespeople of the organization for the whole country, 90 locations. And it was like an Olympic experience with, zero prior experience, um, a huge intensive. I'm super grateful for it, but it was a lot. Um, and so I was not sleeping well. And one morning I had been awoken from the creator saying, you need, you need to set the date, August 18th. You need to let uh, people know Brenda Murphy is going to be the keynote speaker. She has passed, but you're going to use the recording from the podcast interview. You're going to use bits and pieces of it. And I was like, I don't know how to do all that, but I, you know, you figure it out step by step and whatnot. And uh, Bill Dolan, who was on the show earlier today, he had actually reached out to me to offer support. I didn't ask him for help. He reached out to check in on me because he knew that uh, I was separated. Uh, husband had asked for a divorce seven times and took the dog tags. And, you know, I was in this state of confusion where I'm in a new address and finally figured it out after a couple of months uh, that I think he was trying to protect me from whatever is going on. And, and so Bill checked in on me as one of my human connections that I'm grateful to have connected with him as a guest on my podcast a few years ago. And he's, you know, he's got all of these accolades working with former presidents of the United States, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Kirk Franklin, Tori Kelly, all these big Maroon five, all these big names in Hollywood, musicians, politicians um, in professional TV production and we're extremely limited on the budget of this thing, right? But the creator of the universe sent him my direction and he asked me, how can I, I want to, let's, let's have a conversation. I know you got this new day job. You're working 12 to 14 hour days. When, what is, can we, can we block off some time to chat? I want to help you. I want to help you succeed with this. And I was like, yes. I, so I blocked off the time, had that time in my work vehicle and, 
took my lunch to chat with him. And I'm so glad that he took the time. Uh, he still doesn't think he did anything, but uh, that's him being humble. He helped me to clarify exactly what I needed to do. So I wasn't wasting time and energy on things that weren't important for this, for this experience, for the second one. Um, and we would love to, with sponsorship donations, hire his team out for December's event. Um, but he, he gave me some perspective. Aaron, with large productions, we usually take six months to orchestrate it and to promote it on all avenues, television ads, social media ads, you know, this and that. Um, and so I'm grateful for the three people I had reached out to that said they were going to send emails out to their network. It was 225,000 people on the invite list. I had no idea who, how many people were going to show up today. Um, but I also believe the creator doesn't give us more than we can handle and understanding that uh, we didn't have the technical support and extra admin for Zoom to admit people in, it was the right people that were supposed to be here today are exactly who were supposed to show up. And uh, we're gonna send this on. I'm gonna pray on it, but I believe that the creator desires for this to be released publicly so we can share this experience with everybody around the world because I believe that uh, there's a lot of people feeling isolated right now. And I believe there's hope and healing through music. There's hope and healing through the words that were spoken today from our edutainers. And for those to be able to see uh, family united in this in this uh, experience with mom stepping up to the plate, reading my bio, last minute plans from last <laughs> night. And uh, you can even see dad, a lot, an old photo of dad in the background. <laughs> I remember mm -hmm. that was at Life Center when we took those photos. Mm -hmm. I had my <laughs> mini mouse onesie snap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this has been this has been an incredible experience and I'm grateful that I had some PTO time from the new day job they've been extremely accommodating once I started opening up and sharing that I, I was struggling with what I was struggling with and they said here are some mental health resources that we've got through our organization um so they provided uh me some resources to connect to an external EAP uh, they're not in control of what the EAP has for providers availability. All 10 providers not available. They either died, they either don't work at the location anymore, or they don't have availability in their schedule. So I said, okay, well, I'm going to do what I continue to have done in my past, which is focus on having my morning routine, my mindset practice, um, my prayer time, my journal, my exercise, um, making sure my social connections, right? Mindset, community, and fitness. Those are the three pillars of Move Happy because those are how I've been able to continue moving forward in life and stay resilient uh, with music interspersed throughout. So uh, I just encourage those that are listening to the replay of this to find something, even if it's just 10 minutes a day, that brings you joy, whatever that is for you. If it's music, do music 10 minutes a day. If it's drawing, draw for 10 minutes a day. Um, if it's learning a new skill with your hands, maybe building something, um, work on it. Maybe a little more than 10 minutes, but if you have more time, obviously give more time. But if you're time stretched, like, like I am currently right now, I took two days off to organize this free event that I donated my time for and orchestrated it through the help of um, our volunteers and whatnot. But do something today, decide, write it in your planner. If it's scheduling an appointment with a therapist, psychiatrist, do it. If it's 
talking to your doctor about getting on medication. I've done that in the past before and uh, my sleep is getting better now, but if it still continued to struggle, our lack of sleep, um, I had Lieutenant Colonel uh, Dave Grossman uh, in 2020 on the podcast, on the Move Happy Movement podcast, and he spoke on the power of our sleep and the lack thereof. You are five times more likely if you are a soldier struggling with lack of sleep to commit suicide compared to war-related trauma. So our sleep is is extremely important. And I brought that to the attention of my bosses because on overtime days, I was driving and working a 19-hour day and I almost fell asleep at the wheel. When I communicated with them the safety factor, the cost factor, and how liable they would be as an organization to the rest of society, they have made some shifts, some changes in how they schedule things out. Um, it's not perfect yet, but we have to speak up and advocate for ourselves in the workplace if there are not certain um, proper procedures yet. Like like Stephen Kuhn said earlier in our presentation today, uh, you have to be your own advocate. Depression is the most expensive condition in the world and it's the least financially supported in the workplace, depression and anxiety specifically. In 2019, the World Health Organization released um, data from all countries around the world. They estimated pre-pandemic shutdown that $1 trillion was lost in productivity due to not having proper procedures in place for people in the workplace, specifically for depression and anxiety um, employees. So this is just one avenue to help improve that. Um, we all need to step up and be our own advocates. And if you're not sure how, reach out to someone in the community. You can re reach out to to us on social media. I'm not as responsive lately with my new day job, but uh, reach out to someone, ask your HR, like what are their resources in place for if you have mental illness, if you feel safe and comfortable to do so. If you don't say, hey, uh, one of my colleagues, right? You can say it's someone else. One of my colleagues um, has mentioned to me that they're struggling with their mental illness. They have some depression. What are some of our resources at the company level? Because HR is, for you to help you because it costs the company more to have to hire someone new and train them again instead of keeping you employed, right? We've got a lot of people jumping ship and changing job to job. They're, everybody's hiring right now because they can't keep anybody, right? There's not all companies, but it's pretty substantial what's going on in the world right now. So I encourage you to ask for those resources. If not for you, ask for a friend. Um, I was bold and I talked about it publicly because I've got a podcast and all of my content. I'm pretty open about um, being diagnosed with depression um, and being a mental health advocate because that's just, I choose to share that and be open. Um, do what feels right for you. Uh, make time, write it down on your calendar um, to exercise, to have a little music if that brings you joy. Um, and maybe do a walking meeting with your spouse um, in the neighborhood and check in with each other if you guys are both super busy and maybe you're not in the same time zone because maybe one of you travels all the time or you both travel if you're traveling musicians or professionals in business. Have that time where you schedule it maybe once a week or twice a week where you can have conversations and combine it with exercise because that is a really healthy way to uh, get those endorphins released as well as build your social connection and keep your family unity strong. So uh, we could talk more and more and more on this, but we'll save it for December's Real Entertainment Therapy Experience and date to be determined. Uh, the focus, umbrella focus will be fitness. And I've already got a song I've been working on. That's my first rap release all about intrinsic 
motivation. And uh, hopefully that'll be finished in time for it. We'll, we'll make sure we're intentional with that. So <laughs> thanks mom again for being a part of this. And for all of you watching the replay, share it with a friend, share, share, share. And don't forget to tell someone you love them today. <laughs> love you mom. Bye. Bye.